We've been going through a series talking about how God loves us and looking at different angles of that. So uh, we're going to continue in that today. But let me just pray for us and uh, we will we'll get started. So Father, I, I thank you for your love for us that we've been exploring these last a few weeks. And for those that have been here for this whole time, God, I, I pray that you would just continue to allow the truth of your love, the experience of your love to rest deeper in our hearts, and that you would use uh, this morning for that, that you would allow us to see you, that you would allow us to see your love, to feel your love, to experience your love. I gotta pray even now, whether this is the first time that people have been here or that they've been here this whole series, that you would allow your love to become more real in our time together. God, you are present here and we ask you to just come even more now and allow our hearts to open up to hear what you have to say. God, allow me to speak what you want to be said. Holy Spirit, open our eyes, open our hearts to receive from you. We need you and want you this morning. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we've all got different fears that we have and different worries that we have. We've, we've talked a little bit about that some, but we've all got fears and worries and anxieties, things maybe even keeping you up at night uh, or things keeping you up during the day. You've got things that you're, that you're worried about and fearful of that you're unsure. Oftentimes anxiety or fear or worry is uh, you're unsure what's going to happen. And that can be with all sorts of different things. Maybe that's with your job and you're not sure, man, what's going to happen with this? And it might be what's going to happen three months from now, or what's going to happen six months from now, what's going to happen a year from now. It might be what's going to happen tomorrow. And that there's things that you've got coming up and you feel some fear, some anxiety, some worry. What's going to happen? What's going to happen with my work? Or what's going to happen with my finances? Am I going to have enough money? You look at the bank account and you're not sure. Maybe that's even long-term things. You're looking at retirement. You're looking at savings. And you're just like, man, I don't see how this is all going to work out. What's going to happen 20 years from now, 10 years from now, 40 years from now? Or, or maybe it's just, man, what's going to happen next month? I don't, I don't know. What's going to happen with my job? What's going to happen with my money? What's going to happen with, with my family? Maybe there's things in your family that you're not sure, how is this going to work itself out? I don't know if it's going to, and we can be worried, we can be anxious, and, and we can feel all sorts of fear around different things. Maybe you've got big decisions that you're trying to make right now, and you're just like, man, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, and that's keeping you up at night. There's things that you are wrestling with that you feel usually even in your body, right? And you're just like, man, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. And there's worry and there's fear. Maybe you've got fear about, uh, and, you know, I'm not, I don't want to, I'm sorry, I'm listing all these fears. I'm not trying to like, you're like, I'm just trying to stop thinking about this for a moment. Uh, maybe you're maybe you're fearful of your kids, you know. Maybe some some of you are pregnant and you're fearful. Man, you've seen friends that have gone through rough stuff with their kids, and you're not sure. You're fearful of your health, or you're fearful of relationship. Maybe you're single and you're wondering, man, am I ever gonna am I ever gonna get married? And your mom keeps asking you that also, and you're just like, man, I'm not. I, I, there's just fear, right? And and you're worried and you're anxious, and we want that to lift. We want that to lift to be able to experience peace to want those burdens to just be off of us. I mean, you've had moments like that where there, it's been, and I don't know, maybe you were, 
maybe you were just with a friend or maybe it was, uh, you know, some beautiful thing took place or on the mountains or something where it felt like all the burdens were gone for a minute and you just had peace. Now, what if we could live in that, though? What if we could live in the burden being off? And some of us, I mean, I know I can feel like this, too. You feel it on you, right? You can feel like burden on your shoulders, in your body, and, or in your stomach. What if that was just gone? You could feel peace. You could feel rest. And we want that. That's what we want to experience. But it's difficult because new stuff comes up. You might kind of be anxious or worried about one thing and you finally feel like you've got some peace around that, but then a new thing comes up. You've got some peace about this relationship and then there's a, a new sickness that takes place or a new drama that comes into place or, or all of a sudden your car breaks down and man, I thought we had enough money and now my car got broken down or I mean, just whatever it is that you can, you can deal with stuff in a little bit and then something else kind of pops up. So it's hard to maintain kind of this equilibrium of peace and a confidence for the future and not worrying and being able to be certain. What if we can have that? What if you could know that tomorrow it's going to be okay? What if you could know that tomorrow and today you can have peace, you can have rest? How do we get that? That's what we're going to talk about in our time together. How can we have peace? How can we experience rest? How can we experience confidence for what comes tomorrow? And I'll just give you the outline really quick. I mean, to be able to, be able to get that, we have to know who God is and what God does, essentially. And so that's what we're going to explore. So let's just start with this, then. Who, who is God? Well, how, does that, how does that even help? How does knowing who God is? Because you, if you're a Christian, and I know probably not all of you are Christians, or maybe you're unsure kind of where you're at, but if, if you're a Christian, you've you go, man, I, I know who God is, but I'm still fearful, I'm still anxious, I'm still worried. How does, how does that help? Because when we're anxious, our problems are really big. Right? When you're anxious, your problems are big. You see them, and you see them clearly, and you see every angle of them. Someone might say, well, that's not going to happen. You go, that's okay. If that doesn't happen, I know the second thing that might happen, and the third thing that might happen, and I had a dream about the fourth thing that might happen. And I played out a scenario in my mind how the fifth thing might happen. And so we, when, when we're anxious, our problems are big, right? And they're really clear. We can see all the different sides. It's amazing when we're anxious and worried. We know what other people are thinking. We get supernatural powers. It's crazy. We know what other people are thinking. We know what the, they're going to say. I mean, we, we know, like, the problems are big and, and, and they're clear. And, and, they're, and, and we feel out of control in some way, right? The problems feel massive, and we feel like, man, this is bigger than I am, and I don't know if I have the abilities to handle this. And so that's part of why we try to plan things out and try to figure out, okay, if they say this, and I'll say this, or if this happens, and I'll do this, because we're, we're trying to feel like, okay, this thing is big, but if I can map out how it's going to go down, then maybe I'll be able to have some sort of tactical advantage I'll be able to have some control over it. Even if you think medically or with your, with your sickness, you, we, you, we try to go on WebMD or whatever and go, okay, what, what is the symptoms of this? And it's always lupus. And you're like, oh no, I've got lupus, you know, five times. And, and then you, and you know, I'm sorry if you have lupus, I'm not trying to make fun of that, but just WebMD, every symptom I've ever put in there, it's like my tongue hurts, lupus. My fingers hurt, lupus. Um, 
And so you go on there, and, and if we can figure out, okay, what it is, then we might be able to figure, okay, so how do I treat that, and how do I, and we want some sort of control over it, because our problems are big, and they're clear, and because of that, we feel out of control, because we're unsure of our abilities, and here's, here's then, here's what happens, this is why when our problems seem big, we try to do one of two things. We either try, and we can do this for ourselves or with our friends, if our problems seem big, we try to minimize the problems. So oftentimes we do this to each other. We say, man, it, that's not going to happen, or it's not, that, it's not that big of a deal. I'm sure you're wrong. I'm sure your boss isn't going to fire you. I'm sure that it will. I'm sure the money will come through. I'm sure this, the diagnosis isn't that bad. We try to minimize the problem. Because problems are big, so one of the ways we try to deal with it, either for ourselves or with each other, is to minimize that problem. Or we try to maximize ourselves. So we tell each other or we tell ourselves, man, yes, that is big, yes, but you can do it. You can make it happen. You've got what it takes. You can get through this. You've got it in you. So we are trying to either make ourself bigger since the problem's big or make the problem smaller since the problem's big. But here's the problem with that. We don't know if that's actually true. Maybe the problem is as bad as you think it is. And maybe you are as weak as you think you are. The problem is big. And the way that often we try to deal with that is to say, man, it's not that bad. Or, okay, I can, I'm big enough also. But we don't know if that's true. Now, maybe that's true. Maybe you're, you know, irrational and thinking something's totally out of control and you do need to realize, look, it's not, you're, you're flipping out. Like, maybe we need that. Maybe we don't. Maybe that's not the case. I mean, there are real reasons to worry. I mean, your bank account might be getting small and you might be sick and you might have relational problems and you might lose your job. And I mean, stuff can be like, there's real problems in this world. So the problem can be big. And so that is why we feel fear. That's why we feel worry. That's why we feel anxiety. Because the problem can be big. So here's what we need. Back to our question, who is God? What we need is then something bigger than the problem. We don't just need to make the problem small or make ourselves big. We need something bigger than the problems that we're facing. We need something bigger than the fears that we're facing and then and then the and of something bigger than the worries that we have. Now I w- I want to show you th- this picture that the Bible gives us of God because in, uh, in the book of Exodus, what happens is, just give you a short little snapshot of history here, God's people, Israel, they're in captivity in Egypt. And you know this story if you've been a Christian for a long time or if you've seen the movies and you've you know, heard they've made cartoons and all sorts of movies about you know, Egypt and Moses and all this stuff. So, I mean, the people are in captivity, right? And God says he wants his people to be free. He wants them to be released. He wants to save them. He wants to rescue them so they can enjoy his land and presence with him. So God, eventually, you know, all the plagues and all the different things and the frogs and the locusts and the hail and destruction, right? And so eventually Egypt's like, get out of here. You're awful. So they leave and then Pharaoh, Egypt, changes their mind and says, actually, we still want you as our slaves. And they come running after them. And now they're freaking out because they're like, oh, crap, we're, we're going to die. We're going to be slaves again. They're mad at Moses. They say, you brought us out of here. You, you, said, you, were gonna, you said God was going to save us. You said you were going to save us, and now we're all going to die, and they're, they're, they're freaking out. And God says, and there's a 
you know, the, the Egyptians are pursuing them from behind, and in front of them is water, and, and then God says, hey, Moses, lift up your staff, and God parts the waters. Okay, it's a miracle. They walk through the waters, and then the Egyptians go, we can walk through water too. Look, it's a big wall. This is convenient, and they come chasing after them, and then God destroys them all. Okay, brings the waters back down, kills them, destroys them, and God's people are free. Okay, so that's a nice little children's story to tell you know, your kids about God murdering thousands of Egyptians. Uh, <laughs> and so they're free, they're rescued, they're on the other side of the water, and they're about to enter into God's promised land, or that is what God has said, this is, where you, this is the direction you're going. Okay, now right when, they, right when they get on the other side, I mean, what are you going to do when you get to the other side? Right, you've made it, you've made it through, what are you going to do? You're going to party, right? You're going to sing. You're going to celebrate. And that's exactly what they do. They sing a song, and it's a song recorded in the Bible, the song of Moses. And, and, they, and they sing this song to celebrate what God has done. Okay, and I'm just going this, to, this, it's, a, it's a long thing, so I'm not going to read all of it, but I just want to give you a snapshot of what they are praying. And imagine yourself as one of them. Imagine yourself, you just came out of something, you just came out of slavery, traumatic experience. Your whole life's been in bondage. Your whole life's been under oppression, persecution. Your whole life's been uh, disadvantaged, oppressed. And God now brings you out of that through, not just like transportation, you're on the other, but still through a pretty scary thing. I mean, imagine if you're, I don't, some of you, one of, one of, a common fear is drowning. So some of you are probably scared of water and drowning. I mean, imagine going through a sea and you're like, this is going to crash on me at any moment. I mean, it's, it's, you're coming through God rescuing you, but still traumatic thing. And you're on the other side, but you don't know what's in front of you. You don't know what's next. So they're in this traumatic thing, they're, but they're singing this song of who, of who God is which is what we need in the middle of our fears, in the middle of our anxieties, in the middle of our worries, is we need to be able to see who is God. Who is God? Now, here's, here's what they sing in this song. One, here, in, you can see that it starts at verse, it starts, it's chapter 15, it's, and I'm just picking it up in verse 11. But they basically just recount what happened. God, you, you attack the Egyptians, you crush their chariots. And then they say this, Lord, who is like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. With your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. You will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength. Now, just look at this line. Lord, who is like you among the gods? See, what we need to see in the middle of our fear and in the middle of our anxiety is we need to see God more clearly. That's what they are saying is, God, who is like you? They, and they use the personal name for God, Lord or Yahweh. They say, who is like you among the gods? There's all these different things out there, all these different idols, all these different people that claim, I am God, I've got power, I've got authority. And yet, who is like you among the gods? Who can do this? Like we can read stories in the Bible and go the parting of the Red Sea and all the, you know, the 10 plagues that God gives to Egypt. And maybe some of us even struggle with that kind of stuff. Like, is that really true? And, and, we, can, and we think sometimes, oh, well, you know, they just believed, of course, that that kind of stuff happens. 
But that's not, they didn't believe that. They were in awe and shock also that they would see that kind of stuff and say, who is like you among the gods? Look what you did. Look, you, you are, you're glorious in holiness, revered. You perform wonder. Who does this? And they are in awe. And what happens is the problems are big. Slavery is big and Egyptians are big and chariots and horses and the military when you're a poor oppressed people. I mean, all that is big. And what they are doing and what they are reminding is yet in the middle, in the face of such problems, who is like you? Who is like you? And it's taking the problems and it's taking the fears and it's taking the doubts and it's taking the worries and it's taking the anxieties and holding those as big as they are, holding those up to God and saying, yes, but who is like you among the gods? Who is like you among all the things that bring me fear and doubt and anxiety and worry? Who is like you? See, what we need to see is that we might be weak. Our problems might be big. But God is bigger. There's no one like God. You know, what's interesting, you, you go to Revelation 15, which is the last book of the Bible, or Revelation is the last book of the Bible. And, and, they, and it talks about that the people that defeat the beast, which is, represents Satan and his power and his people in the world that are working on his side. I mean, all this stuff, I'm not going to go all into the book of Revelation, but what it says is the people that defeat that, the people that defeat the enemies of God coming against them, they sing the song of Moses. So this isn't just something for them. This is a song that is sung then, now, and continually to the end of time to say, who is like you among the gods? That we've all got issues. We've all got, look, what do you do? What do you do when, when, when something feels too big for you? Well, first, you probably lose a lot of sleep. But you also usually, when we feel like something's too big for us, we call someone that we feel like has some strength that maybe we don't have. So, I mean, I don't, I've never seen this happen, but I've seen a lot of movies, and there's times on a plane, and someone all of a sudden has a heart attack or something, and they say, is anybody a doctor? Right? Something like that. I mean, they don't just say, is anybody, is anybody a, an engineer? Is anybody an analyst? They don't say that. They say, we've got a problem here, and we need someone that's an expert at this, or that's an authority in this, that could come into this situation. This is a big problem, a heart attack on an airplane. We need somebody who can fix this. Maybe, I mean, some of you are maybe like me, or at least I want to believe that, so that I feel, you know, that I've got some sympathy, but I can't fix anything. I can't fix, if, I mean, if I, if I break a pencil, I don't know what to do. If you, pick up, if you pick up one of my paintings, not my, I don't paint. If you pick up like a painting that I bought off the wall, you'll see a thousand nail holes. I mean, it's not, like I can't fix anything. I can't, I, I don't, I can't think in straight lines like that. I, don't, I can't do anything like that. So anytime I have a, anytime there's something like that, I'm like, man, I need a friend. I need someone that can come over and, and fix that kind of stuff. Someone that's better than me, bigger than me at this stuff. And, and then I start to feel a little bit of peace. If I know a friend is like, okay, man, you're going to come over. Okay, whew, you're going to look at this. All right. Because <sighs> I know someone that's got better power than I've got, someone that's got greater ability than I got, someone that's got greater authority than I have in an area Man, it's going to be able to fix stuff for me. 
That's what we usually go to when we've got certain areas, and maybe that's people that we pay, whether that's therapists or doctors or, or life coaches or people that we pay to help us. But when we feel overwhelmed or the stuff is too big, a lot of times we say, I need someone better than me. The only way that this problem is going to be beat, if there's, if there's somebody that I know knows how to fix this problem. Listen, God can fix any problem, and God is bigger than any problem. God is the creator and the author of life. And what they say is, who is like you among the gods? There is no problem in your life. There's no problem in your life that God, that God is not bigger than. That sounds, I think maybe you might hear that and just go, okay, whatever. But there is no problem in your life that God does not have authority over, that God is not in control. God, we lose sleep. God's not losing sleep over anything happening in your life. God's not looking at any issue in your life and saying, I don't know how to fix this. God's not looking at any problem in your life and saying, I need to call somebody about this. God's not looking at anything in your life and saying, I don't, I've not, I've never seen this one before. This is new. I've been running the universe for a long time. I've been running the solar system. I've been running alternate universes and other dimensions. If you're a sci-fi fan, I've been running all this. Alternate realities. And I've never seen this before. Nothing in your life is bigger than God. God doesn't look at anything in your life and say, I don't know how to handle this. And what they sing in the song and what they need to remind themselves is, who, Yahweh, who is like you among all gods, among all conceived reality? There's no one like God. God has all authority and all power and all wisdom and all ability for whatever you are going through in your life. For whatever it is that you're worried about and anxious about, God's not God's not anxious about what you are facing. He has the power. He has the ability. And he tells them this and they sing this to reassure their hearts. Because listen, God knows that you're shaky. God, I mean, they're coming out of, they're coming out of this awful situation and they're singing this song and they're about to go into scary situations and God wants to reassure them. I know you're shaky. Do you know the most common command in the Bible is to, to, be, to not fear? Fear not. And God doesn't say that because he's trying to condemn people that are scared. To say, stop fearing, stop fearing. But the call to say, do not be afraid or fear not is to say, I see your fear. And I want to reassure your heart that you don't need to be shaky. I want to reassure your heart that there's no one like me. I want to reassure you. That's why God continually calls us not to be afraid because God sees our life and knows the stuff that we're worried about and really the stuff that we've gone through that's hard. God, know, God looks at our life and knows that a lot of the stuff in our life is not what we planned. God looks at our life and knows that we've had a lot of tears, maybe even this week, and there's been a lot of pain, a lot of disappointment. 
God looks at our life and sees, man, friendship's not exactly what they wanted, and this didn't really turn out the way they wanted, and they're not at the place in their career that they thought they'd be, or the bank account's not exactly where it was, or stuff was really going well, and God sees all of that stuff. And the call to say, don't be afraid, or the call to say, no one's like me among the gods, is to reassure our hearts of who he is. God knows it all. And listen, he doesn't come in and true because we think that peace and confidence comes from the future. But what, what they are saying and what they're singing and what God says is no peace and confidence comes from knowing who I am. That there's no one like me. But that, that's not all we need. We, we need more than that. We need to know what he does. Because we can say that God has all authority and that God has all power and that can begin to help. But what does he do? Because if you want to be comforted or you want peace or you want confidence, you need to know more than just who God is. A lot of times my kids will ask me, you know, something happens and, and they want to know, hey, who's the best at whatever it is? So who's the best at yo-yos? I don't know. I've never thought about that. And, and so I pull up and look on YouTube and go, best yo-yo man. And, and all of a sudden, there's a yo-yo person throwing yo-yos around and putting animals on yo-yos and being able to do like magic with a yo-yo. And then the next day, who's the best surfer in the world? I'm like, well, I don't know. And look up, who's the best surfer? Who's the best spinning top person? So the per- there's these things that you throw on the ground. And who's the best at that? I don't, like, I don't know, but I know a lot of the best people now. And I've been able to find all these things. Best surfers, best yo-yo, best tops, best... I mean, if you want to know who those people are, I can tell you. But here's, here's what I was thinking about with this is we can know someone's got power. And they're good at this. They've got skills in this. They've got abilities in this. They've got uh, talent in this. If you've got yo-yo problems, someone is better than that. They're bigger than that problem. But that doesn't mean that they're going to do anything for you. Like just because someone is skilled and powerful and there's no one like them, who is like you among the surfers? Just because someone is amazing at something and has all power and all ability, it doesn't mean they're going to show up in your life and do something. I mean, there can be the best surfer in the world. That doesn't mean that they're going to say, yo, hop on. Let me show you what I got. It doesn't mean that you're going to get to go surfing with them or that they're going to teach you or that any sort of surfing problems you have in your life are going to change because of them. Someone can be unique and different and powerful, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything for you. So we can even say, I know God's powerful. I know God's strong. I know God's got abilities. I know there's no one like God, of course. But what is that? What is he going to do? What's he going to do for me? Because I'm worried. I'm fearful. I'm anxious. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So what's he going to do? So we need more than just knowing God's ability, but here's where, here's where the song helps us again. Look, look, what they, look what they said in this line. Who's like you among the gods? And then they say, with your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. You will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength, with your faithful love. This is the first time in the Bible that it mentions God's love. It's the first time in the Bible that it talks about God's love for his people. And what does it say about it? The very first time that God wants to reveal that he loves his people, you know what he says? I will lead 
the people. With your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. The fact that God loves you means that God leads you. God's love means God's leadership. They are inextricably linked. If you say, God loves me, if you know God loves me, it means God leads me. If you believe that God is love, then you have to at the same time believe God is leader. The very first time that God wants to say, I love people, he says it means I lead them. With your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. See, we need to know not just who God is as unique among the gods, as powerful as as all of this. We need to know what he does. And he's not only savior, he's leader. And over and over again through the Bible, God reveals this about himself. This This is just a part of it. But when Jesus comes, he says he's the good shepherd. And a shepherd is inherently a leader, one that guides sheep and tells them, follow me, come with me. We read Psalm 23, the beginning of the service, that Jesus, that God is the shepherd, the one that leads his people. When Jesus leaves, he sends the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is to lead people. God is a leader. He's not just a savior. And listen, I... I feel this. I don't, maybe some of you are different than me. I don't feel I need saving. And I mean right now. I'm not saying that theologically as a Christian. Yes, I need saving from my sin. But I'm just telling you, in the daily experience of my life, and so, you know, don't try, try not to tune out when you just heard the pastor say, I don't need saving. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm perfect or something. I'm just saying in the daily experience of my life, I don't feel like, God, save me. But I do feel like I need leading. I do feel like there's decisions that I don't know what to do about. I do feel like there's problems that I'm in the middle of that I need God's help to get through it. I do feel like there's stuff I'm worried about in the future or things that I I can't see how is this going to play out and I want someone to lead me. I do feel that. And oftentimes I think we believe God is Savior and you might claim Jesus is my Savior and common Christian language is to even say he's my, he's my Savior, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But we don't think about leader that often. We don't think that Jesus is my leader. He's my leader. And if you lose that part, I think you cut yourself off on a big part of what God wants to reveal to us about his love. Because the very first time he tells us that he is loving, he says, you know what that means? It means I will lead. It says that you will lead the people that you redeemed. That he will lead the people that he has redeemed. And look, I, I love that line. Let me just go back to that. He says, with your faithful love, you will lead the people you've redeemed. You know what that means? It means that when God saves someone, he commits to them. Jesus didn't just say, okay, freed you, got you out of Egypt, got you to the other side of the sea, waters go down, and then they go, whoa, where'd he go? Where'd God go? All I see is a big desert in front of me. What are we supposed to do now? And God just says, whew, whew, that was, glad I got that saving out of the way. Now I can rest and sit in my massage chair. Or I mean, I don't, God doesn't do that. He said, I saved you 
and now I'm going to lead you. And they sing, you will lead the people that you have redeemed, which they need to believe that as they're about ready to go through the desert into lands unknown, into things unknown. To go, okay, I'm glad you saved me. Man, that's awesome. But I need to know now that you're going to lead me. That each step of my life, that each thing in front of me, you're actually going to lead me. When he redeems, he commits. Listen, what God has been to you in your life, what God has been to you in your life, he will be in your life. If he has saved you, he will lead you. Have you, I mean, this is helpful for me when, I mean, a lot of these sermons that we've been going through the last month were things I was thinking about on my sabbatical, but it was helpful for me to think about. Have you seen God show up in your life in some way? Have you seen God be present in your life? in some way. Maybe that's hard for you right now. Maybe that's foggy and not very clear, but if you look back at your life and you go, yeah, God showed up there and he saved me. Or God showed up here in this moment and I didn't have friends and he gave them to me. Or, or man, I was really struggling with this and God healed my heart. Or I was kind of trapped in a bad situation and God helped me out of that. Or, man, I, I was in college, and I didn't know what I believed, and, and God brought some friends around me, and I believed, and I saw who God was in a clear way. Or, I, I mean, I don't know, but have you seen God show up in your life? See, we forget that, though, as we look at tomorrow. We forget that as we look at the things that are facing us that we're worried about and that we're afraid of and that we're scared of. But what he wants us to do is say, look, the God that has saved you is the God that will lead you. Has he led you? Has he showed up in your life? Has he done something for you? He will do that. He's a leader. The God that has saved you is the God that will lead you, and he wants you to know he's a leader. He's a leader. He's there, and he's going to keep leading. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. What does that mean for our fears? If he's a leader, what, what does it mean then if you're unsure about the future? It means we have a leader, which means two things. I, mean, I think a leader can mean a lot of things, but let me tell you at least two things it means that God is leader and what it means that he will do for us in the areas that we're uncertain, in the areas that we are shaky. A leader implies that God wants something better for you. A leader implies that God wants something different for you, something better. Someone doesn't say, hey, I am your leader, okay? Where are you going to take me? Oh, it's going to be bad. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. A leader implies they're going to take us to a better direction, a better destination. A leader implies a better move. It says that he is the guide we looked at that he said that he is the faithful love. He will lead the people you've redeemed. You will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength. Now think about that, that he is our guide. See, a guide, have you ever, we, we, when we were on sabbatical, we went to tons of different museums in Greece and Italy and seeing all these museums. And with, with kids, that gets a little old because they're like, okay, another painting. Great. Another broken statue. Like, I can't, I'm so exhilarated of this, you know, pile of rocks. This is so amazing, you know. 
But one of the things that we never did, just from a, just because we didn't, because we're cheap, but is that you, have, you can pay a guide, right? And you, there, all these places have guides, and they take you around, and they show you, look at this, and they know the history of the things, and they know, they, what a guide does is they help you see things you can't see. They help make it better than what it is if you're there by yourself. They help bring out beauty that you didn't know was there. You enter into it and you go, wow, this is really cool. Okay, there's a painting. Okay, there's some stones. Okay, there's this broken thing. Wow, that's cool. I can read a little description. Okay, but a guide says, no, 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 look at this. And they make it better. This is why one time we kind of followed behind one that we didn't pay for and listened to everything that they said. And she got a little upset, but it was great. I was able to learn more because a guide, see, part of what it means, the guide brings out, this is better. See, part of what it means that God is our leader. When you're anxious and when you're afraid and you're unsure about the future, you need to know God's strength, but you also need to know what he's going to do. And what he's going to do is lead. And part of what lead means is he's going to lead you into something better. That's what a leader is. That's what a guide is. It's someone that wants to bring you into something better. And listen, I know that life might not feel like that right now. You might say, well, if God is my leader and, and a leader is someone that leads you into something better, it doesn't feel like that right now. That can be reality. I mean, the, the, this beautiful song that they sing, only a couple chapters later, they're in a fight with another nation that there's death and killing. And I mean, it, it gets hard. Like life can be difficult. The Bible never wants to sanitize the difficulty of life. But it doesn't mean that God's not at work wanting to lead you to something better. I want to look at just this other passage that speaks to God as our leader and says this. God speaking says, It was I who taught Ephraim, and that's just another word for Israel and God's people, to walk, taking them by the hand. But they never knew that I healed them. I led them with human cords, with ropes of love. To them I was like one who eases the yoke from their jaws. I bent down to give them food. And, and this image here, I taught them to walk, taking them by the hand, is an image of a, of a father or mother teaching a child to walk. See, what it means that God leads or what it means that he wants something better, he wants to give us this image of teaching us to walk. Teaching us to walk, taking by the hand. Now look, when you teach a kid to walk, when you teach a kid to walk, that might be kind of hard for them, right? It might be kind of hard. They're going to fall. They're going to bonk their head. But to teach them to walk, they might, oftentimes kids, at first, they don't want to walk. They want to crawl or they just want you to hold them. They don't want to learn to walk. But to walk, even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, God calls us to things where he says, look, I don't want to transport you. I want to lead you. And that sometimes means it's hard. It sometimes means it's difficult that we have to work on those leg muscles. We've got to learn to actually take steps. We've got to learn to move forward. But he's a father holding us by the hand. He's a father guiding us, holding us by the hand. But we still have to learn to walk. And he's got to build up those leg muscles in us. 
See, God as leader means that he wants something better for us. But what that means is we often have to learn to walk. He's got to hold our hands. For some of you, there might be a step that you know God's leading to you, but you're afraid to take it. You're afraid to take a step. You're afraid to move. And, you know, I'm not trying to put thoughts in your mind, but, but I know that for some of us, we know, man, God is leading me in a certain direction and there's things I'm supposed to do and there's areas that God's calling me to obey, but I am scared. And God says, I'm holding you by the hand. I want to lead you. To, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm a good father that wants to lead you to something better. And it might feel uncomfortable and your legs might not know how to do it and you might be like a baby, just kind of wobbly and you might be scared that you're going to stumble a little bit. But I'm holding you by the hand because I want to lead you to something better. God sees our life. God sees the issues in our life and he says, I want something more for you. Listen, do you know that God knows you? He knows what's good for you. He knows who you are. He knows every single part of you. And he says, I want to lead you to something better. If God is our leader, it means God wants more for us. It means that he wants something better for us. He knows where we are and he knows where we need to be. And the place that he wants to lead us, like it said in Exodus, is to his presence. For Israel, what God was doing is leading them away from slavery, but not just saving them, leading them to, it said, his holy dwelling, which would be the promised land, or then later the temple, and then further on, God continued. Remember, we sing this song, the song of Moses. God wants to lead us into his presence, to Jesus, into life with God dwelling in us, the Holy Spirit. God wants to lead us always further and further into his presence, which means life completely led by him, controlled by him, emotionally, physically, every part of our life. That's better than where we are now. That's where God wants to lead us. So what it means that God, what God does is God leads, but what it means that God leads is he's leading to something better, but it also means that he's present. If God is our leader, it means he wants something better for us, but it also means he's present. Sometimes I think that we think of God maybe as a leader, but we really believe we're on our own. So even if you believe God's a leader in some way, you might believe he's a leader, that he's a, an instructor, a teacher, that God's a leader and the way he leads me is he gives me some instructions. He's a leader, and maybe he's a leader like a, an online class that you take or, or a, someone that you talk to and get some instructions from. And the way that God leads is he provides an instruction manual or some things to do. And okay, God, you're my leader. Now I'm going to go do that. That's not how God says that he is a leader. Yes, God does teach us. Yes, God speaks to us in his word. Yes, he has instructions for us, but it's better than that. See, what it means that God leads us is he wants something better and that he's present, that we're not on our own. I love this image. He says, I led them with human cords, with ropes 
of love or this human cords is kind of a weird um, image. Other translations say cords of kindness or humane cords is what this translation is getting at because it's giving an image of an animal and saying that they're, it's not cords like you would grab an animal and try to pull them and move them to get them to do what you want to do, but it's a cord of kindness or a humane cord. It's gently leading. I led them with human cords, with ropes of love. You just think about that image. See, what does that mean that God is leading us with ropes of love? That means he's attached to us. That's not just instruction leading. That's not just command leading. It's leading that is right there with the person. It's leading that is present in the middle of it. It's leading that if we are the animal, if we are the horse or, or we're the sheep or, or we're whatever animal that this would be kind of getting at, if we're that, God's standing right there with us, connected to us. That he says, I am leading you with a rope of love. You feel a tug? You feel God pushing you? You feel God pulling you? That's because he's connected to you. That our hands are bound to him. And he says, I'm, I am your leader, which means I want more for you, but I am your leader, which means in the middle of what you are going through, I am not up here saying, okay, go left. Okay, go right. Okay, don't do that thing. Okay, don't go with that person. He's not up there commanding. He's down here attached, down here present, down here bound to us with ropes of love, connected, attached, bound with ropes of love, taking care of us, knowing that we are weak. To them, I was like one who eases the yoke from their jaws. It's not yanking us. He wants to ease the yoke. He wants to gently lead. He wants to bend down. I mean, think about God bending down to feed us. To say, come, come here, I want to I feed you. That is not this commander. It is a God who is leading with ropes of love, filled with gentleness and grace for our weakness. It says, I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. I know you're fearful. I know you're worried. I know you're anxious. And I'm not just telling you what to do. I'm doing something with you, for you, leading you with ropes of love. That is what he is saying. We, when I was a kid, there was a, we, we, I grew up in church and did all sorts of silly Christian things and some of you maybe know this and others, you know, you're probably glad that you don't, but there was this character, which was kind of freaky, but he was like a hymn book. His name was Salty. And he was this giant book with a f blue face, the freakiest, you know, Stephen King nightmare thing you've ever seen. But he was the singing song book. And there's a song that I don't remember any of the other songs, but a song that I still remember that we used to sing as kids. And it was this, you know, forgive me, I'm going to sing, but he, he, it was this, there's kind of this camping trip that they're on and they need to climb up this mountain. And, but he's singing this song and they say, 
one step at a time. One step at a time. One step at a time. And then, uh, and, and he says, with Jesus by my side. And then they say, one step at a time. One step at a time. I'm going to make it. And when we were kids, we thought it said, I'm going naked. <laughs> and, my, and my mom was like, that's not what it says. You know, maybe there's a spiritual metaphor somewhere in that, but but I still remember that song, that one step at a time, one step at a time, with Jesus by my side, one step at a time, with, with ropes of love, I'm going to make it. See, I don't know what you are going through, but I know that it can be hard, it can be difficult, and we know if you're a Christian, you go, yeah, I know God saved me, but God is leading you. God's leading you. One step at a time with ropes of love. Ropes of, I mean, just, man, envision your hands and they're bound with ropes, but they're not ropes and the rope is kind of cutting into your skin. It's hurting. It's just, it's a rope of love. And he's gently saying, come with me. Let's go. I saved you. I'm going to lead you. I redeemed you. Of course, I'm committed to you now. I'm by your side. I'm in it with you. Ropes of love. I want to know, me, I want to know, and I know you do too, I want to know I'm not alone in decisions I have to make. I want to know I'm not alone in the fears that I have for tomorrow. I want to know that I'm not alone in the stuff that, that I know is facing me. And I'm thankful for what Jesus did on the cross, but I'm also thankful that he's my leader with ropes of love today and that I can sing that song till the end of time. This is what Jesus tells us. He knows that we need him. He knows that you have stuff ahead that's scary, that's confusing, that you feel is bigger than you, that you're not in control of. And he says, I'm in it. I'm bound to you. See, we need to know who God is. God is strong and there's no one like him, but we need to know what God does, that he is our leader, leading us to something better and present with us in the middle of it. But the last thing is this, how do we experience the peace then? If that's what we want is relief, we need to know who God is, we need to know what he does, but then how do we actually kind of get that in the moment, in the stuff that you're dealing with, in the stuff that's facing you? How do you, how do you get it? How do you get the peace and just, I'm not going to read through this again, but just back to the, this is a song. And the whole thing that they're doing is just recounting what already took place. They're, all, all they're doing in this is retracing what all, the, the salvation that just took place. They're about ready to enter into stuff that is in some ways more terrifying than what they just came from. Because they don't, it's unknown. Egypt was known at least. And they complained to that to Moses later. They say, at least we had onions. I'm like, what? At least you had onions? You were a slave, but the onions were awesome. I'm like, okay. I'm like, man. But, but it was known. It was comfortable. It was, it was in some ways, they, they didn't have to go, what's going to happen tomorrow? They knew. I'm going to have onions and I'm going to get whipped. And then I'm going to have onions again. 
But this in front of them was scary. It was fearful. They didn't know what they were going to eat. They didn't know where they were going to go. They didn't know what enemies they were going to encounter. And so what they have to do to help themselves as they're about ready to enter into that is retell the story of salvation to remind themselves, here's who he is. Here's what he did. Here's who he is. Here's what he did for us. And see, how do we experience peace? It's the same way which is why it says in Revelation that the people of God that win, that are victorious, sing this song to the end of time. We recount the salvation. You say, I was never in Egypt. I don't even like onions. But God has saved you if you're a Christian. And what we do is recount the story. We retell ourselves who is like our God that would go to the cross and have his body broken for us. Who is like our God that would have his blood shed for us. Who is like our God that would leave heaven and become a human being and enter into earth to know what I'm going through, to identify with me so he could be a high priest that is not unable to sympathize? Who is like our God? We recount the story. We say, who is like our God that would forgive my sin? Who is like our God that would totally wipe away shame and guilt? Who is like our God that would give me grace that I do not deserve? Who is like our God that would defeat death and sin and raise from the dead? Who is like our God that would send me the Holy Spirit so he would be present with me, never leaving me, never forsaking me so that he could lead me every step? Who is like our God? We recount the story over and over and over and over again so that our hearts are built with faith so that we know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know who my God is. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know he's my leader and I know he's here and I know that my hands are bound with ropes of love. I know that. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I know who he is. We recount the story over and over and over till the end of time and we sing the story and we say this is who you are we ask him we ask him to make that real to our hearts we ask him to unclog our hearts and our ears from fear and worry and doubt and anxiety and we ask him to let us see who he is so that we can take one step we don't have to see a hundred days in front of us You don't have to see a week in front of you. But you need to know that today my hands are bound with ropes of love to my good Savior, my good leader. And you take a step. And you take a step. When we come and take communion, we are recounting, remembering the story. When we sing, we are remembering the story. Recounting, retelling, singing the story of who he is. We all want peace. We all want confidence. This is where it comes from. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that you are our Savior. But I thank you that you are our leader also. You don't save us and then leave us to figure it out. You don't save us and then tell us just what to do. But you are bound to us. 
Would you maybe even, and you can speak softly, you don't need to speak loud so everyone around you hears you, but I'm just going to pray some things, and maybe you can just say these words to God if, if you can feel like you can do that in a genuine and honest way. Maybe, maybe you just first, you just tell him what you're worried about. He already knows, yes, I know, but you just tell, you know, just don't just do this in your head, okay? Like if you're, if you're going to do this with me, just speak it out loud, but not like loud so that everyone around you like, you're, you're worried about that, but just, you know, you can just lip it, okay? You just tell God what you're worried about. Just tell God what you're fearful of, what you're anxious about. And that doesn't surprise God. Listen, that does not surprise him. You just told him what it was, and he did not fall off his throne, his chair. He knows. He sees your heart. He knows what you mean when you just said what you said. He, he knows what you feel when you just said what you said. And then, would you just tell God, in faith, you say to God that, God, there's no one like you, though. I know that. Help me to believe that. You know it. You already know it. If you're a Christian, you know that there's no one like God. You know he's in all control. You know that. But I'm asking you right now just to say, to say that to God. God, there is no one like you. And to ask him to confirm that and make that more real in your own heart. And then you, you can just tell God that you need help. Say, God, I need help. And, and then tell him this. Say, you are my leader. And maybe even if you want to hold out your hands and you just say, God, I, I know and I believe that I am bound to you with ropes of love. And you just tell God, I'm bound to you with ropes of love. And ask him, ask him to allow that truth to be experienced, even right now. Say, God, let me feel these ropes. Let me feel that I'm bound to you. Let me feel that I'm attached to you. Because that is what is true. That's what's true. That's what the Bible says. But ask him to let you experience that even right now, that you would know I'm roped to you. Jesus, thank you that this is true, and I pray just let it become real to our hearts as we take communion and as we sing. Amen.